Okay, well, this is going to be great this morning. I want you to turn to uh, Numbers chapter 13, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, book number four in the Bible, a book written by Moses. You can get out your phones. It's okay. Turn the volume off, but you can share with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. They need to hear some of this stuff this morning. You can look up uh, this scripture in your Bible on version or something, but I want you to follow along because I'm telling you that the number one thing that's going to cause your life to be successful, whether or not you're going to be happy or unhappy this year, whether you're going to grow or whether you're going to stagnate, it's all going to depend upon how you see things, your perspective. I want to tell you a story today about perspective because perspective determines your future. It determines your destiny, your purpose, your passion, all your priorities. I mean, perspective is how you see God, how you see your, your life, how you see your future, your family, your relationships, finances, how you see the world. That is gonna determine uh, whether or not you're going to be successful this year. So this is a story about perspective. Take a look at what happened. Moses sent some spies out to see the land of Canaan. They'd been in the wilderness. They'd come out of Egypt. And he says, go up this way into the south, up into the mountains. See what the land is like, whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak. There are few or many, whether the land is good or bad, whether the cities are are fortified, if they're strong or if they're just camps, whether the land is rich or poor, if there's forests or not. And then he gives them specific instructions. Be of good courage. And bring back some of the fruit of the land. And so they go through and they go out and they spy and he sends 12 leaders. And in verse 25, it's after they'd been out for 40 days, they returned back from this vision trip, this due diligence trip into the land. And they come back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of Israel in the wilderness. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation. And they showed them the fruit of the land. They brought back these huge clusters of grapes on poles, bigger than they've ever seen, and they were in awe, and they, they, they brought back this report, the land truly is a land that is flowing with milk and honey. But, and here's the change of perspective, the people who dwell in this land are strong, and the cities are fortified, and they're very, and they're very large, and moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, giants, big Six foot eight, six foot nine, seven foot linebackers, 350 pounds. They were there and they struck fear in our hearts. And then the Malachites in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites, the Amorites, all in the mountains, the Canaanites dwelling by the sea and in the banks of the Jordan, all these people. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, let us go up at once. Let's take possession. We're well able to do this and to overcome it. But the men who'd gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land that we have gone through as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it, all of them, they're all men of great stature. We saw giants. Now look at this. And we were as grasshoppers in our own sights. And so we were in there. Let's talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy. On the first Sunday, on the threshold of this brand new year, I want to talk to you about a new perspective of a future without fear and seeing with the eyes of faith. Let me pray for you and let's get into this. Father, you said that faith comes from the hearing of the word of God. Let it open up our eyes today. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see you. 
Open our ears, Lord. We want to hear you speak. And Lord, may this be really powerful. Fill us with your spirit today and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, by nature, we are, are so worried all the time. We are a worried nation. We are living in a culture that is defined by perpetual pessimism. The media now is almost universally fear-based in its approach. It's how our news is sold to us. Uh, We're persuaded to vote by fear. Uh, Both the left and the right are convincing us that the America that we love is going down because of what the other side is doing. That's how they're communicating. Uh, Everybody is a chicken little anymore, telling us that the sky is about to fall. Advertisers sell you their products by fear. You've got people in your family that are trying to control you by fear. You've got friends that try to make you do what they want you to do because of fear. And it is getting more and more difficult to navigate and to live in this world without the voices of fear and and things looking fearful and, and things causing you to worry. And there's so much anxiety. We're worried people. Now, you've heard it said that there is more than one way to look at something. And that is true. The single greatest influence in your life, I'm telling you, this next year is going to be your perspective, how you choose to see. Because your sight is what's going to determine your destiny. It's going to determine your pathway. It's going to determine your future, whether you see with the eyes of fear or see with the eyes of faith. And there's a direct connection uh, between seeing and believing. The scriptures say faith now is the evidence of things that we hope for uh, it, it is the it is the or the things it's the substance of things we hope for the evidence of things not seen. So so what he's saying is faith is a perspective that you choose. You choose faith or you don't choose faith. Nobody can take it from you. Nobody can give it to you. God can't even change the way you look at things. It's your choice. It's your choice whether you're going to look at this next year as a nervous, worried, stressed out fearful person, or if you're going to walk into this year with confidence and faith and a deep belief that the God whom you serve is in you and with you, and he's able to help you accomplish everything that he's asking you to do. Now, what a tragedy would be to miss out this year and and to consider that this could be the very best year you've ever had, and to miss out on the best year of your life that's in front of you because you simply could not see through the eyes of faith, and you were bound as a slave in your mentality to the culture of fear. It's been said that there are none so blind, you know this one, as those who will not see. There's none so blind as those who will not see. Well, this was certainly true of these people who were from Israel. They they had seen God do so much for them, but they still wouldn't believe. They'd been slaves for 400 years in Egypt, and They had prayed for a deliverer. God, save us from this oppression. And God had heard their prayers, and he answered. And they said, God, you promised that you'd bring us out and take us to a promised land. And God says, I know, and I'm sending you a deliverer. When he came, they didn't recognize him, didn't like him at first, but but they overcame that. And God sent 10 powerful judgments on Egypt, astounding miracles that no one could deny to, to, to let the people go from the hands of Pharaoh. And after those 10 plagues happened and God showed his power and Pharaoh let them go, God set up, and which is what people don't realize, 10 tests for these people to go through. 
10 tests, 10 no-win scenarios, 10 training opportunities where by all human sight, there's no way out. The first one was he takes him out of Egypt and the first test is the Red Sea. The first no-win scenario is a mountain on one side, a big desert on the other, a sea in front of you, and Pharaoh chasing you with his armies from behind. And everybody thought they were going to die. And God says, test number one, just when you think nothing good can happen, that everything's bad and, and harmful and no good, I have a way out that you haven't been able to see trust me. And he carves a way through the Red Sea, opens it up. The people walk on dry land. They're delivered. The enemy chases them and the waters close in on them. First time he delivered them. Gets them out in the desert. The people say, why are you taking us in the desert? There's no water here. And it does a miracle and water comes from the rock. Or we have no food. We're going to die. It would be better that we went back to Egypt. And God's laughing. And he provides food miraculously in the desert. The water's bitter. We can't drink it. It's poisonous. God miraculously changes the water. Ten times there are no-win scenarios over a two-year period of time. You know, it takes two years from when they left Egypt to getting them to the edge of this promised land because there's a million people. It takes a long time to move a million people. And over that two-year period of time, God is testing them ten different times training them for what they're about to walk into because you're going to come into a season of opportunity and you're going to have to have some eyes of faith because it's not going to look easy. So God is preparing them and training them and he did so many things for them and blessed them and did miracles, showed them his power, showed them his glory and brings them right up and says, okay, all of that for this. I want to tell you, what about if all of that has been for this? Has not God already spoken to you in some ways? Hasn't he already talked to you? Has God not revealed himself? Uh, Have there not been some strange God coincidences in your life that let you know that he's there and that he's real and that he's provided for you and he's done some things and you have a choice now about this next year. Will you go in with faith or will you go in with fear? And he brought them to the edge of the promised land and and as a great leader, he sends them on this vision trip to say, nobody can, can do anything they haven't yet seen. So go into the land, see it, Taste it, bring some, a report back for all of us to see, bring something back for us to taste. Because you can't ever become something unless you've first seen it and visualized it first. You can't, uh, you can't uh, become healthy if you've never seen yourself healthy. You can't ever prosper and be a prosperous person if you've never actually seen yourself that way. You can't uh, become a person who's going to be blessed and used by God if you've never pictured yourself being used by God. And so what I'm trying to do is give you a vision and a picture of what success ought to look like and what it ought, ought to be. This is what faithfulness looks like. And this is what it'll look like to prosper with the hand of God on your life. If you can't see yourself ever getting married or finishing college, or starting a career, or starting that business, whatever that dream is, if you can never see it, you'll never succeed in it. And so he says, go out and bring something back for us to see, and let's all get excited about it before we go in. Let's cast some vision. And so they go, and they come back carrying all this fruit, and they've tasted it, and it's large, and it's big. Two people, I've never seen a cluster of grapes carried on a pole that's that big by two men. But that's what they brought back. And they brought back this report you know that little song that we sang when we were kids? Ten men, or twelve men went to spy out Canaan. Uh, ten were bad and two were good. Maybe you didn't sing that. I did. <laughs> Badly. And, uh, and ten comes back with this really bad report. And two come back with a great report. Conflicting reports. The land is great, but the people are strong. The cities are fortified. The giants are there. 
And, and Caleb, he's going, wait a second, we can do this, we can take them, we see how awesome this is, but conflicting reports. And see, we, we, we face this all the time right now. Right now, uh, this is what we're living in, a, a, a time of conflicting reports. There's always some good news, but there's a ton of bad. And so you're going to be discouraged if all you ever do is just look at the negative and focus on what's going wrong. I mean, one minute you pull up your phone and it says, oh, good, the stock market's going up. Five minutes later, here's the report. Unemployment is skyrocketing. And you're like, oh, and you're being pulled back and forth. It is stressful to live in a situation where there's all these conflicting reports and you don't even know what to believe. Well, you're going to have to make a choice. Am I going to be a person that focuses on the positive or focuses on the negative? They come back and they make this report and the negative people, their voice is louder. There's more of them. And these people have not only a negative report, they start having a scarcity mentality, which is what negativity always brings. A scarcity mentality is like there's not enough to go around. This is the problem our country has faced today. It is not an economic crisis. There is a scarcity thinking that there is not enough. So they're saying, there's not enough room in this land. Look at all the people, the Jebusites, the Amalekites, the, the Canaanites, all these other people. We thought the promised land was for us. We thought it would be, be ready. We thought God was going to lead us into this place. And there's all these people here, and there's no room for us. And they don't want us to be here, and they're big. And, uh, you know, that's like us saying, you know, all the good jobs are going to be already taken. There's no, there's no jobs to be found. Uh, all the good men are taken, you know. Uh, uh, there is nobody. All the good colleges are filled up. I'll never be accepted because people... People have beaten me and all of this stuff. It's a scarcity thinking mentality. And you know what that leads to? Making self-fulfilling prophecies. And so that's what they did. They said this. They said, we will not be able to go into this land because the people are stronger than us. And if you say it's never going to happen, you're right. If you say that it can't happen, you won't have, it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy because whatever your attitude is, That's what's going to be fulfilled. I saw a report yesterday, maybe some of you saw it, a negative report that said that the Colts only had uh, 80 to to one chance of winning the Super Bowl. A negative report. You know where they can't, that cannot be believed in the locker room. That's the one place that report can't be believed because if they believe the team that's going to win the Super Bowl today believes they're going to win it, that they're going to overcome. And the people who think that I'm not sure if we can win it, they're the ones who are going to lose. You see, whatever you believe, whatever you think is, whatever, is what's going to happen. You're going to fill, have self-fulfilling prophecies. If you tell yourself, you know, I'll never get married, I'll never have this child, I'll never be healed from cancer, I'll never get out of debt, I'll never be able to, to find that job, I'll never. And you walk into this year with all this gloom and negativity and cynicism and skepticism. And some of you, you just need to be delivered from that because that's all that you're going to be. I, I, I read this on a blog from Tim Sanders, the co-founder of yahoo.com. Let me read this for you. He says, if you want to self-identify as the next person who should be let go from your company, start looking at what is going on through the eyes of fear. Start asking, what's going to happen to me? Start predicting that people are going to lose their jobs. Start hanging out at the water cooler in little communities of misery about how things aren't the way they used to be. 80% of the time, the people who are let off are not the low performers, but the ones with the bad attitude because the company is just trying to figure out how to get by with less, and they know that cooperation is the only way they're going to pull through to success. So if you position yourself as uncooperative and negative and skeptical and cynical, goodbye. Wow. Did this guy read Numbers chapter uh, 13 and 14? (laughs) 10 out of 12, they just looked 
in fear. 10 out of 12 had a bad report. They're saying, all the people are giants. Really, all of them? Yeah, all of them. We were like grasshoppers in their sight, and so we were. You know what, gets, what, what happens when you start worrying about something? It gets bigger and bigger. You start worrying about it and dwelling on it. It just gets larger. You start talking to people about it and commiserating. Pretty soon you've created all of these giants that are insurpassable because they've just grown larger in your sight. And so in chapter 14, you get through this chapter, and, it, and these 10 guys with their report infected the entire community. That's how contagious it was. Because when you're negative, when you're fearful, when you're worried, it doesn't just affect you. It spreads out to all the people that you love. It spreads out to everybody around you. It's infectious and it's negative. See, some of you have to make a choice about the inputs that are coming in. Because what happens when you get negative? Look at this. All of the people cried out all night. And the children of Israel began to complain against Moses and Aaron, which is what people do when they get afraid. They start to criticize. And who can we blame? And who can we take down for this? They said this. If only we had died in the land of Egypt. If only we had died in the wilderness. Talk about a loss of perspective. They start throwing a pity party, blowing it out of proportion. It's what people do in our world today. Everything is terrible. It would have been better for me to have died. And they complain, and then they start to blame God. They said things like, it's God's fault. Why would he even bring us out here into the desert that we should be killed and our children become victims of the sword? It would be better that we go back to Egypt into slavery. They have lost their perspective. Now, the harvest of fear in your life is crying and complaining and second-guessing and blaming missed opportunity, and just being stuck. And I don't know a single person that honestly says, I want to be stuck in the exact same place I was last year. But the difference is going to be, how do you choose to look at the situation? Only Joshua and Caleb had the attitude of, God is with us, let us go right now, we can do it, and they moved against their fear. It wasn't that they didn't have fear. It wasn't that they weren't afraid. You can almost hear them talking to themselves when they speak out in this passage and they say, consider the greatness of our God who is with us. The Lord delights in us and he will bring us into this land. He'll give it to us, this land that flows with milk and honey. And they're speaking to their faith. You know, because faith is what trumps fear. Faith is what creates confidence. It's faith that creates movement and gives me the power to move forward. And, and you don't defeat your fears by talking about them or by rationalizing them or, or you know, saying uh, they don't exist or pretending they're not there. It's just the principle is this. Movement is what defeats fear. When you just simply say, I'm going to do it anyway in spite of my fear. So that's why, that's why I love to see people get baptized. People who are afraid. People who say, I'm scared to get in front of people, but they do it anyway because they decide this is what's right. And you know what? Those are the people that God begins to put his power on because they're not afraid to go public for him. So God says, you're not ashamed of me. I won't be ashamed of you. And he puts his power in their life. But these people, the fear had already set in. Caleb and Joshua were speaking up, let's do it. And the people picked up rocks to stone Caleb and Joshua. Can you believe that? And I've seen people do this today. Don't you tell me to have hope. Don't you dare try to raise my hopes up. Have you ever heard that? You're just trying to encourage someone and they're angry with you. How dare, you know, don't tell me that I'm going to have this child. Don't tell me that I can be healed. Don't tell me. And they're angry. 
Because some people would rather die in the wilderness than face their fears. So you can be gifted, and you can be smart, and you can be talented, and have all that going on, be professional, and still miss out on the blessing and the destiny that God has for you because fears just held you back. And some of you might say, well, Darren, I'm just a realist. I'm being realistic. I'm the voice of reason. Why is the voice of reason always negative? That's what I want to know. Why is it always bad news? That's, that's the truth. You're right. Uh, I'm realistic. You're right. That's, that's you with your no-God view, with what you can just see all on your own. What can God do? You know, when our little kids raised all that $3,000, nobody told them they couldn't do it. They just... They just did it. So I want to identify with the little kids who say, you know, let's go do this for God instead of the five or six adults who would say, well, that could never happen. Kids could never do that. See, that's why the Bible talks about having faith like a little child. Like, okay, let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's, instead of the ten reasons why we can't, let's focus on the one reason why we can. And what a difference that would make in your life in this next year. If you want God to really prosper you in your life this year, you've got to look ahead into 2013 and say, I'm not gonna be, I'm gonna be very careful about being driven by fear. I'm not gonna listen to my feelings. Tweet that. (laughs) I'm not gonna listen to my feelings this year. I'm gonna stop looking only with the eyes of fear. I'm gonna start living by faith. I'm talking about getting rid of a spirit of bitterness and suspicion, and a cynical spirit, and a negative spirit that will not allow you to prosper, a fearful spirit. It's that spirit of fear is why you can't be happy, why you can't have joy, why you don't walk in confidence, why you keep focusing on your weaknesses instead of on your strengths, instead of looking at what's right instead of what's wrong, instead of looking what you could be instead of where you're stuck. I'm talking about opening up your eyes and and saying, God, give me the faith and free my expectations to the level of what you can do instead of what I can just do. Everybody say, Darren Chesky, keep preaching. This is really good. Come on now. I'm telling you something here. I don't need it. I'm saying this for you. Are you listening to this? Because you'll just be stuck. It'll be the same. There is an epidemic of negativity and cynicism in our world today. And that is not for the people of God. Only two out of 12. See, most will miss it and few will make it. And I want you to make it this year. God is not finished with you yet. And when I think about what Christ has already done for you and how all of this in the Old Testament is all shadow of what would happen when the reality of Christ, where he would come and give his life and shed his blood to say, I have come to give you life and that more abundantly, why are you, why are you living you know, in your 20s discouraged and in your 30s stuck in the wilderness and in your 40s like ah, things aren't going to get better and in your 50s and 60s giving up? God is not finished with you yet. God is not done yet. This is a brand new year with a great new opportunity and you're gonna be able to live with the eyes of faith. And you say, well, how do I do that? How can I live with the eyes of faith? I'm glad you asked that. Check this out. Three, three things to do. Number one, it's simple. Open your heart to believe. What? That's it? Yeah, become like a child again. Get over the cynicism and the negativity and just say, you know what? I choose to open my heart and believe. Some of you have got your hearts locked up so tight. You're so afraid of being hurt or wounded or being disappointed. But you open up your heart. Jesus said in John 3, if you want to have the eyes of faith, he says, unless you're born again, I mean, unless you become like a little child, you can never see the kingdom of God. So if you want to see things from God's viewpoint, you have to get God into your life. Stop holding God at a distance. You're not, you're not offending God as much as you're hurting yourself. 
Open up your heart and let God in. Let him give you a a spiritual rebirth where you just have your normal natural senses, but now you have these spiritual senses where, where, where you're starting to hear God's voice and starting to see things in a different way. And you open up the Bible and you go, oh my gosh, I can understand this because God is now giving you the eyes to see. You need God in your life. So you have to open up your heart and you just say, God, I open up my heart to you. I hold nothing back. God, do whatever you want to do in me this year and mean it sincerely and transparently and openly. It's the first step. The second thing that you could do is to just take that step of faith and do the first step of faith and be baptized. I don't know if you realized, I don't know if you've ever thought about how critical this is to God's power being in your life. That God's power is released in your life when you go public. What are you trying to do? Change your life by yourself and kind of tip God later? Or, or, or will, you, will you come out and say, I need God's power. It's a humbling thing. I need to die to my way and it's not working. And God, I come out, I am unashamed of you. And so I'll go public and I'll confess that you're my Lord and Savior. And God says, when I see that, when I see the person who's not ashamed of me, that's the person who I put my hand on. And I give them the power. And that gives you the power on the inside to be self-controlled and to, to, to have the power to overcome fear. Jesus said, I haven't given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. But people are holding God off, kind of like, you know, I'm standing on the outside, kind of wanting the benefits of God without the surrender part. And I know a lot of you have been baptized as little babies or dedicated as children or or christened and all of that, but Jesus was too when he was a little baby, brought to the temple, and at 30 years old as a full-grown adult, walks into the Jordan River to John the Baptist, and he models it, and he says, I'm going to be baptized, humble myself with all these sinners, and declare that my dependence is on God. And that's when his ministry starts. That's when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And if Jesus would do that and model that for you and me, you need to do that too. And he commands all people everywhere to repent and to be baptized. So what are you waiting for? I can't think of a better Sunday than the first Sunday of a brand new year to come out and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. He is my Lord and Savior with the expectation that his power is going to be on your life in a new way in this coming year. Some of you can do that today. We've got it all ready for you. You can be baptized uh, after the service or tonight. Uh, We're going to have this big baptism service before the service tonight at 5 p.m. And I'll baptize you personally at 5 o'clock if you come back. This is something that you need to do. Let me give you the third thing, which is related to this, which is just for, for, for everyone. It's just the principle of obedience. Obey whatever God tells you to do. If you obeyed him in baptism, well, what else has he told you to do? Obey it. Obeying God is the principle that baptism unlocks that continues for the rest of your life. Obey God. What is he telling you to do? Joshua and Caleb said this. We saw the land ourselves. It is exceedingly good. If we obey, see, this is the key. The Lord said, I will surely give you this land. If we'll obey. That was the principle. If you'll obey what he whispers to you to do. And the saddest verse in the Bible is in Hebrews chapter 3 when it speaks back to these people and it says this, talking about them. We see that they were not able to enter into the promised land because of their what? Their unbelief. They didn't get what God had for them. Not because God was withholding or punishing. Because they didn't believe. God, they gave in to their anxiety and they gave in to their worry and gave in to their fear and they never saw what God wanted to do. And so my own story is this. 
Larie's great-grandfather, my wife's great-grandfather, was called in his 20s. He was a very wealthy young man with a great inheritance. They lived in this big, huge manor in England. God called him in his 20s to go to the nation of India and to become a missionary. And he resisted that. I don't want to do that. I want to make money. And maybe I'll go someday, but, but I need to make my fortune first. And he resisted God. And then the Great Depression came and he lost everything. All of his inheritance, the money, the house, at all. And he lived the rest of his life in misery and poverty and died with a tiny little funeral and really was a dejected man most of his life. But his son, Alfred, the next generation, God spoke to him and said the same call. You need to go to India. Do what your father didn't do. And my, my grandfather-in-law, my wife's grandfather, Alfred Coston, decided to go to the nation of India, and there he was there for 50-some years, a life of adventure and stories and, and fantastic experiences, watching God do incredible things uh, through faith. I mean, thousands of people that came to Christ, and he lived this rich and full, and he was a joyful man with, with all of this uh, life in him all the way to the day that he died, and thousands of people came to his funeral. And see, the blessings of God are generational. What God is doing in my life and my wife's life happened because of generations before where somebody said, we believe God, we'll do what he said. And we'll start to follow him. And see, it's never too late. You say, well, I'm too old. Listen, it's not too late to obey God and start changing things for the generations that are ahead. You see, God wants to do something pivotal in your life this year. And will you just look at it with the eyes of fear or will you look at it with the eyes of faith? I've seen what God can do. See, I have already believed. I've tasted of the promised land. I've seen what he's done in your lives, in the lives of thousands of people here. And what he can do for you is the same. He can set you free. He can heal your body. He can change your life. He can restore your marriage. I'm looking at some of you right now, and I've seen what God can do in your life. And if we've tasted of this, what still has God yet to do in us and through us? If we obey God, he will be with us. He'll be for us, and no enemy in hell can stop his church in the kingdom of God. Do you receive this today? Let me pray with you this morning. Let me just bow bow your heads and just, what is God saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit saying? If you were to say, I do not want to be stuck like I was in 2012. I don't want to be stuck in the wilderness. You know, you've struggled with fear, with insecurity, and with doubt and depression. You have no reason to be afraid. It's time to get your eyes off all those giants and get your eyes on Jesus today. Why don't you pray this prayer with me? God, I want a new me for a new year. I want to open my heart to you. I want to help. I want you to help me uh, to change my vision and see with the eyes of faith. God, I don't want to delay anymore, some of you might say. I'm ready to, to come out and to follow you. I'm going to be baptized. I'll do it today. I'm not going to wait. Now is the time, and I say yes to you. God, I've been putting it off, but I want your power in my life. And man, I'm talking to you. This is a time to lead your whole family spiritually by your act of surrender today. You may say, God, I know that you are God, that I have sweated things. I've acted like a Christian atheist last year, but this year I believe that you're with me. I'm sorry for being afraid. I want this year to be the best year of my life, to do whatever you tell me to do. Open my eyes to see you and to live by faith and not by fear. In Jesus' name, say, that's my prayer, God. That's me. Everybody said together, amen, amen. Do you believe that? Is that gonna be true in your life this year? 
Well, I'll see you guys tonight, and I'll be baptizing anybody tonight. Pastor Clary's going to tell you how to do that, but keep coming back. This is going to be our greatest year yet. God bless you. Let's bless God for Pastor Darren. What an awesome message to kick off the new year. Wow. Uh, I'm reminded that uh, when we face what we're afraid of, we realize what we're made of. And so uh, perhaps God was speaking to you uh, through Pastor Darren as he uh, spoke uh, today uh, regarding fear and regarding the fact that anything is possible. Do you believe anything is possible? Come on, let's all say that together. Anything is possible. Come on, let's say it one more time. Anything is possible. Yes, anything is possible. And so uh, we're going to live this year believing that anything is possible. And that's what this church is all about. Uh, We're going to conclude our services in just a minute. But before we do, uh, it's offering time. This is an opportunity for us to bring our first offering of the year if you haven't done so already. And so uh, we're going to do that. Uh, If you are going to uh, bring God's tithes and uh, your offerings, you can do that by placing them uh, in the box in the uh, rear of the church. Uh, All you have to do is just uh, take the envelope that's in your bulletin, fill it out, uh, or the response card, and you can just place it again in the box uh, in the rear of the church. If you are a first-time guest, thank you so much for coming. You're in the right place at the right time. We certainly hope that you enjoyed yourself. We would love to get to know you. And so if you wouldn't mind also filling out uh, the response card, letting us know that uh, this is your first time and what your experience was all about, you can give it to us at the registration desk in the lobby. Uh, Again, uh, we uh, always want to conclude our services with prayer. Prayer for whatever part of the journey you're on. We want you to know that we're all in this together. Pastor Darren talked about the awesome opportunity to be baptized. And you'll have an opportunity today, immediately after service, if you desire, uh, if you cannot come back tonight. But if you can come back tonight, we're going to have a very special time, 5 o'clock, for us all to be baptized. Would you stand as we're concluding our services? Again, if you desire to be baptized or uh, have any special request, you can... Uh, Let us know by filling out that response card and giving it to us uh, at the registration desk in the lobby. Uh, Again, our first conference kicks off tonight. Baptism will be at 5. 6 o'clock will be our um, first speaker and first service. Tomorrow night, we'll come back at 7 o'clock, and then we will come back at 7 o'clock again on Tuesday night as well. Here's this blessing that I'd like to speak over you comes from 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, in the 14th verse. And it just simply says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Keep coming back.